Well, good morning. Let me offer my welcome to East Point. I'm glad you're here today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. If you've got your Bible, you might want to turn there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible uh, or if you forget yours, we've got them in the racks along the wall. You feel free to grab one of those. And again, if you don't have one, you can take it home as our gift to you. Started a series last week called The Cure for the Common Life. And uh, I, I, I warned you last week that I'm pretty passionate about this topic, which means sometimes I'll talk faster than usual and I'll get uh, excited. I'm not yelling at you. I'm just excited about uh, challenging all of us to step outside of the ordinary and to live the extraordinary life of following Jesus. If you're here today and you're investigating Christianity, thank you for being here. This is a safe place for you. I promise you nobody will ever make you do anything, and it's a safe place for you to discover grace. But I want you to know that there's nothing safe about following Jesus, that he is radical, he is awesome, and when you follow him, it's an all-in sort of deal. And it's going to take you from the common to the uncommon, from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And that's his plan for all of us, and certainly his plan for you. I told you last week that um, a huge part of faith is risk. In fact, I said my, one of my old pastors used to spell faith R-I-S-K, that it literally involves taking a risk, getting outside of our comfort zone to follow Jesus and to do what God wants us to do. I also said last week, and I'll be honest about this, it's not always easy to follow Jesus. It's not always, always easy to step out of the ordinary into the extraordinary and out of our comfort zone. But if we're going to discover what God wants for us, uh, let me make it personal. If you're going to discover God's destiny, God's plan for your life, then it involves stepping out of something uh, into something unknown, stepping out of the common, the ordinary, the safety place that you have, that little comfort zone that you live in, and to experience uh, the risk of following Jesus. Now, here's the number one reason why we struggle doing that. And this is going to be a no-brainer for most of us. You'll go, yeah, of course. But the biggest obstacle to you or me following Jesus with boldness, stepping out of our comfort zone and following him and from the ordinary to the extraordinary, the biggest hurdle is one word. It can be found in one word, and that word is fear. Fear. And so today we're going to talk about how to overcome fear in our lives. But to kind of set the tone, I've got to show you this great video. Let's watch this together.
<laughs> I, why are we clapping? I mean, we, we're terrified of stuff like that. I, if I'm in that coffee shop, one or two things would have happened. Either there would have been a little puddle underneath me, or I'd have I'd started swinging and hitting people, you know, that fight or flight sort of thing. Uh, we laugh at people and their reaction to fear, uh, but most of us can relate. And we've had those moments in our life, and we probably don't laugh about them. A lot of us have had absolute terror. We've truly experienced things that are terrifying to us. And fear is a common emotion. It's something that we all experience, maybe just a little, maybe a lot. What I want to talk about today again is, is how to press through the fear barrier. You see, fear, I, I tell people it's like this tattoo on our souls, but it's not a mark that we like to show people. It's this permanent mark that, that we're embarrassed about. But it's something I believe that we can grow through and that God can work and help us develop ways to overcome the fear that we all have in our lives. Uh, I, I told you a month or so ago about my story in Hezekiah's tunnel and the terror I have because I'm a bit claustrophobic. Let me tell you another one that I have. And it's, I hate the dentist. Now, I, I don't actually hate the guy. I hate the experience. And I have more root canals and fillings in my teeth than most of you have teeth, I promise you. I am just filled with all sorts of metal and, and ceramic and everything else in my mouth. I'm sure I've put a couple of my dentist kids through college. That's how often that I have been to the dentist. And going there is not pleasant for me, and sometimes it's my worst nightmare. Now, of course, when you walk into the dentist's office, what a sham. I mean, they, you're greeted by this smiling receptionist. There's music playing in the background. It's a warm, inviting in, in a place. They take you in, and they put you in a, in a chair that looks like a recliner. And, and uh, you know, they sit you down. They ask if there's anything you need. Would you like to watch TV? No, thank you. But right out of sight, there's this tray of these tools they use to torture you. Stuff they used to carve into your mouth. And, and then the dentist walks in, and my dentist is a great guy, but he always has this sadistic grin on his face. It's going to be, how you doing? And then he washes his hands of the, you know, the, the, the evidence from his last victim, and they offer me safety goggles. Now, if this is so safe, why do I need safety goggles? This is a scary experience for me. Uh, and a couple years ago, I actually had a root canal that was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I'm not exaggerating when I say I was in the, the oral surgeon's chair, the recliner, for over three hours as she carved away. And, wow, this is stubborn, you think. And then they put this dam over your mouth and this, this spacer in your mouth. And, and then they, you know, and I was suffering from allergies pretty bad at that time. And uh, I feel like I'm drowning. I, you know, I literally felt like, and I had my first, very first ever, this was two years ago, my very first ever panic attack. I used to laugh at people who had panic attacks. How stupid. Are you serious? You've got a panic attack? What a loser. Man, not anymore. I'm telling you, I've had that experience, I mean, she's, she, she's doing her thing, and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, you can't talk. What's wrong? You need this out of your mouth. Take it out. She's pulling stuff out as quick as she can because I am freaking out. My first panic attack. Not the last one I had, but the first one I've ever had. Now, one of the things that I've had the opportunity to do is I've been back to the dentist since then. And uh, I've discovered this really cool thing. It's called nitrous oxide. <laughs> Gas me, baby. I just, it's awesome. <laughs> I got this cool little mask that I own now. I can put it on at home just to remind me of how awesome it is because they gave it to you. But anyhow, I, I've experienced some fear, and I've, I, the thing I want you to hear is that I'm learning how to overcome even some of my worst fears. 
We're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 22. And we're going to see an example, an experience that the uh, disciples had where they were absolutely terrified. In fact, Peter ended up afraid as well. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. What's going on here? Jesus had just fed 5,000 men plus a bunch of kids and women. A whole bunch of people got fed. And John's account of this tells us that Jesus was concerned they were going to try to forcibly make him king. So Jesus dismisses the crowd, shuts the party down. Time to go home, everybody. And he sends the disciples out on a boat onto the Sea of Galilee, onto the lake. And so verse 23, after he dismissed them, the disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there all alone. Jesus is on this mountain just praying. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So these guys are out in a storm. It's ugly. They're all experienced. Most of them experienced fishermen. Uh, They spent hundreds, maybe thousands of hours out on this lake. But they're in a tough situation, and it's not pretty. And then it gets worse. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Not in another boat, by the way. He went out walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. These guys all lost it. I imagine they're rowing really hard at that point, doing their best. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. I love this about the Lord. Guys, chill, it's me, don't be afraid. Peter, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Don't you love Pete? If it's you, Jesus, I want to come out there and walk with you. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Now, as far as we know, Peter and Jesus, only two people ever do this. And Peter's walking in the water. How cool is that? Verse 30, cool for a few moments. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Why didn't you doubt? Why did you doubt me? Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, Jesus and Pete are now in the boat, and Pete's looking like a wet rat. The wind, boom, died down immediately. And those who were in the boat worshiped Jesus. They worshiped him, and they said, truly, you are the Son of God. They had one of those aha moments that changed everything, from terror to awe. Again, just prior to this water-walking experience, Jesus had performed one of the most amazing miracles that, you know, where he multiplied five loaves and two fish, and he, he proved that he was God of the flesh. And now he shows that he's God by actually showing his power over nature, and he walks on the water. But the disciples' reaction to this is they are terrified. I mean, there's not a stronger word you could use in the original language of the Bible. They're just absolutely freaking out. And because of that, most of them, 11 of the 12, missed something that Peter actually got to experience. Pete, for a few moments, believed that something incredible could happen, and he experienced something way beyond the ordinary, way beyond the common, and yet Pete ended up afraid as well. So let's take a look at some lessons we can learn from this passage about overcoming fear. could talk about a lot of things. Let's land on three. Here's the first lesson. Lesson number one. To live the uncommon life, we have to press through our common fears, even when it's hard. To live that uncommon, extraordinary life, we've got to learn to press through our fears, even when it's really scary. 
One of the truths we see in this passage, by the way, is that obedience to God is no guarantee that you'll be spared adversity. Where do we get such a crazy idea that if we follow Jesus, everything will always be peachy king and perfect? Don't miss a simple factor that Jesus sent these guys out on the lake. Now, did Jesus know a storm was coming? We don't know. I suspect he probably did, and he's up on, on that, that hillside praying, and he's thinking, well, here's another lesson for me to teach these guys. But whatever he knew, the point is, Jesus, they're out on the lake, and they're out in the midst of the storm, and they're thinking, Jesus sent us out here. Again, where do we get the idea that if we follow God, life will always be easy? If you read the Bible, read the book, you're going to see example after example of men and women who step uh, into something um, that God called them to or that, that God led them to, and they ended up very difficult. In fact, maybe even terrifying for them. Joseph, who once uh, you know, was a favorite son, became thrown. He had his dream of, of uh, God's blessing in his life. Ends up being thrown in a pit by his brothers, left for dead, then thrown into prison, and had a hard journey many, many, many years before he became the second most powerful man on the planet. David, anointed king by God's prophet, by Samuel. Samuel said, I'm going to anoint you the next king of Israel. And David's this teenager. He goes, cool, I guess. And years, not weeks, not months, but years go by where David is literally running for his life from Saul, the first king who's trying to kill him. Others, Joshua. If you read the book of Joshua, we were in it uh, last week, but Joshua, you know, has to face all. The first chapter of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, God, God says to him about five times, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Why did he say that? Because Joshua was afraid. Take courage, Joshua. It's okay. We see all these examples. Esther, another great story of this woman given favor by God, becomes queen, and yet she has to risk her life for her people. Guys, when I read the book, Old, New Testament, and everything you know, that you'll find there, often you see that God allows or even leads us into these situations that are difficult for us. Why? Well, because he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in our faith. And that's one of the ways we grow best is in the midst of adversity. God's committed to our spiritual growth. He's not mean. He's not sadistic. He really isn't. But he's absolutely committed to you becoming the man or woman that he is destined you to become. And for some crazy reason, we humans tend to grow best through trials. Want chapter and verse, I won't go there now, but check out James chapter 1 or Romans chapter 5. And James and Paul make it clear. Struggle, trials, suffering, their purpose is to help us develop and to become what God wants us to become. If we're to live the uncommon life, one beyond the ordinary, We've got to press through our fears and then get out of our boat just like Peter did. I want you to imagine uh, those disciples in that boat out on the lake. It's uh, early in the morning, probably somewhere between 3 and 6 in the morning. Uh, they're exhausted. They've been struggling all night. They're wet. They're miserable. They're probably yelling at each other. When you get grumpy, do you yell at people? Okay, well, a couple of us do. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm just, and I imagine they're, they're not having a, good time at all, and they're going nowhere fast, and all of a sudden, they see something. And imagine the first guy grabs the leg of, you know, James or, or Bartholomew. Do you, what, what is that? And they all look, and they just go crazy, crazy with fear. They're terrified. But one of the questions I've got to ask, and I'm going to ask you several this morning, is why didn't they think it might be Jesus? I mean, Jesus had just performed this amazing miracle 
multiplied five loaves and two fish. I mean, did it even cross their mind that just maybe this is Jesus? No, they, they thought it was a ghost. And so they were terrified. But why weren't they looking for Jesus? And even if it was a ghost, which it wasn't, but even if it was a ghost, then why didn't they expect Jesus to come to their rescue? But let me ask you another question. When you're terrified, when you're faced with something bigger than you, are you looking for Jesus? Are you looking beyond that thing that's horrific, that terrifying thing that's in your face, and looking for him? God often shows up in unexpected places, in unexpected ways, and it's not for the shock value. It's for the faith value. He wants us to put our confidence and our trust in him and to keep going to stay the course. Years ago, I was backpacking with a friend named Bill. We were in Glacier National Park. Anybody been there before? It is the most, one of some of the most beautiful. It's over a million acres of God's country. And it's in northern Montana and southern Alberta, British Columbia. It's up there. But it's just this beautiful country. And we got up early one morning and we're hiking down the trail. And all of a sudden, we came across the biggest pile of grizzly bear scat you have ever seen. Scat's a nice word for bear poop. Okay? But it's, and it's steaming. Not only be gross, but you got to understand what we're going through. We're, it, and just the day before, let me, I forgot to mention this. Just the day before, a ranger had come through and said, hey, be careful. There's a woman that got mauled by a grizzly. We're thinking, oh, great. This has happened like 24 hours before this. We're walking down the trail. Huge, steaming pile of bear scat. And we go, oh, scat. <laughs> I'm sorry. And we're thinking, man, let's just turn around and run. But the problem is we didn't know where the bear was. bear could have been behind us. So we're freaking out. But just another great example. So, you know, you got to stay the course. I'd still be out there somewhere wandering in the woods if I hadn't stayed the course. We've got to press through the fear that we face. We've got to be willing to get out of the boat. Here's lesson number two. God often reveals himself in unexpected ways and calls us to the impossible to keep us humble and dependent on him. This is something that, I, again, we see over and over in the Bible, and it's a truth that you need to understand that God delights in calling you to something that's bigger than you. He delights in calling you to, to the impossible, and the reason is because he wants you to stay humble and dependent on him. He wants you to realize how desperate you are for him. Again, God was, uh, in the Bible, we see in the habit of asking people to do huge things. Moses, leave your you're a wilderness, you're you know, father-in-law, and, and, and go back to Egypt and, and deliver my people. And Moses is going, whoa, time out. I can't even talk. And I murdered people, a guy back there. This is not good. Don't send me back. And God said, I'll be with you. It's okay. We see example after example. Jeremiah, a prophet of God, called by God to be a prophet. And he ends up you know, being called a traitor, thrown in prison for a time. Did not have an easy life at all. But what I need you to understand is that God calls us from the ordinary to engage in extraordinary acts of faith as we follow him. And he does so, and he wants you to do so regardless of your fears. Remember, faith always involves risk. I hope you heard that last week. If you missed last week, leave with that truth burned into your soul today. Faith always involves risk. And so following him means getting out of the boat. And here's the deal. And this is the cool part about this. Ready? Even though it's scary and dark and completely out of our comfort zone to get out of the boat, 
That's where Jesus is. What you need to hear is when we go there, we're walking to him. We're walking with him. We're going to where Jesus is. You know, one of the things I've thought about a lot is what motivated Peter to even want to get out of that boat. Twelve guys are in that boat, and only Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, I want to come. I'm thinking, what's in Peter that made him different than the other 11 guys? And I suspect that there's something in Peter's understanding. He knew that somehow he had this sense, a better sense of destiny at that point developed than perhaps the rest of the guys did. He knew, hey, God's got something for me. I said this last week, and I, I believe it with all my heart. God has something special for you. God has something unique for you. It's not the same as, as what God has for me or for Matt or for the person sitting next to you. But I promise you this, God has a unique and special plan for your life. And I believe that he's created us to fulfill a God-given destiny. And we know in our knower that that's the only way, you know, for us to get there is that we've got to get out of the boat. And Pete knew that, and so he stepped out in faith. Next question, here it is. What's your boat? What's keeping you from discovering your destiny in Christ? Where are you just kind of sitting on your tush thinking, I'm fine here? Some of you are thinking, leave me alone. I like the boat. Don't be talking about getting out of the boat because I'm perfectly okay right here. Thank you very much. But what's your boat? And the, the, thing, the thing is, I need you to hear is that that's keeping you. When you stay put there, that keeps you from discovering what God wants for you. What's the impossible thing before you right now that's crippling you with fear? You know, some of us, because of the storm, because of the wind, we don't hear God. We don't hear his call. Or if we do hear it, we're pretty good at that. Nope. We, we don't obey. We ignore it. Why? Because we're bound by fear. And I want to encourage you this morning to not stay stuck there. Now, here's something else you need to know, that when God calls you to something, here's a very important fact. If this is a fact. Whatever God calls you to, he empowers you to accomplish. Can I get at least one amen out of that? Guys, you need to hear this. Because some of you are I Boobna, I'm really not comfortable with you talking about me getting in my boat. Leave me alone. But here's the good news. Whatever God calls you to, he empowers you to accomplish. When God says, I need you to do that, he doesn't say, and I hope you have a nice time. Let me know how it all works out. Not at all. God says, and I will be with you every step along the way. I'll be there, and I will empower you to do. Do you think Peter had the power in and of himself to walk on water? Go like this. No, of course not. But when Jesus said, come, then miraculously, Jesus empowered him to do what he could not do on his own. Now, God's not setting you up for failure. He didn't set Peter up for failure. But he does want to teach us to trust him and discover more life than we ever thought possible. And again, it happens when we say yes. Quite a few years ago, I was with a ministry team traveling in the UK, Great Britain. And I uh, was asked to lead worship. At that time, I led worship quite a bit in the churches I was helping to plant and a part of. And I've never been a great guitarist. I'm like a three-chord specialist. But I had a fairly decent voice and was asked to lead worship on this team. And most of the places we went to were small little churches that, you know, 50 people, 100 people. It was pretty safe. But we went to Edinburgh, which is this big city, and there's this large hall, meeting hall there. 
And um, they, again, I was the worship leader, and we're having this meeting. I didn't speak. I was the guy playing guitar and leading worship. And I remember, I, for, I will never remember, uh, forget, standing on stage, pulling the curtain back to look and see what's out there, and there's thousands of people in this great hall in Scotland, in Edinburgh, and I am, at that moment, terrified. And, and my first thought was, I don't feel good. If I get sick right now, somebody else is going to have to do this. So I really don't feel good. I mean, I'm starting to think, you know how your mind, if you, anybody else besides me, have a hundred ways of rationalizing why you can get out of something, and you know, this isn't a good idea. Oh, you know what? My guitar strings are all broke. I don't know how that happened. But, <laughs> but we, we go through all of this stuff, these mental you know, gymnastics to try and get out of something. But what I did at that moment was I took a deep breath. And I said, God, you got me into this. Help me. And I stepped out on that stage, through that fear barrier, and I experienced God's presence and power in my life in a powerful way. Why? Because I got out of my boat. What's your boat? Where are you refusing to say yes? What are you holding on to that is keeping you back from discovering what God has for you in your journey with Jesus? All right, one last thing. Here's the final lesson, lesson number three. And this is important that you hear this. God always comes through for us in the end, even when we falter. God always. Not only is he with you, but he's going to rescue you every time. Now, Peter shifted his focus from Jesus to the storm, to the wind and the waves. Not a good idea when you're water walking, by the way, to take your eyes off of Jesus. But that's exactly what he did. In fact, I got this artist's rendition. I love this picture. You know, how accurate it is. Obviously, they didn't have Kodak cameras back there. But here's Jesus on the water rescuing Peter. And I, I just imagine, you know, Peter's in this moment where he, he's... he's He's walking on water. And I think when he got out of the boat, I don't know, I'm just imagining that he's probably smiling. I think at first he's like, this is cool. He's looking at the other 11 guys. You guys are losers. And he's pretty pumped. He's excited. This is awesome. I'm going to go walking on water to Jesus. And then, who knows, 5, 10, 15, 20 yards, whatever, suddenly he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he's thinking, what am I doing out here? And he sees the waves and he sees... The, the, the wind, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and it's boop, 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 boop. He starts to go under. But here's the cool thing. In that moment, Jesus reached out and took a hold of him. We all know moments, before we get too harsh on Peter, we all have had those moments where we take our eyes off of Jesus. We all have. We step out in faith. Maybe you get out of your boat. Maybe you, some of you are thinking, yeah, I, I took, I, back in 1982, I took an opportunity to step out of my boat, and I trusted God, and I failed. It was miserable. Sometimes we do get out of the boat in faith, and yet we stumble and we falter along the way. And I know that Jesus would say to Peter and to you, it's better to have tried and failed than to have failed to try. I, I think Jesus, even though he corrected Peter for his, his weak faith, I, I think he was like, Peter... You know, you got to keep growing, buddy. And it's better to have tried and failed. But I want you to remember this, and this is the critical truth here. Even though Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, Jesus never took his eyes off of him. Even though you and I have and will at times take our eyes off of Jesus, the storm is just going to be ripping us to shreds. It's going to be just this horrific, ugly swirl of life all around us. Even when we take our eyes off of him, even in those moments, Jesus will never take his eyes off of us. God always comes through. He never abandons us. And he never, he never lets us get beyond his reach. Verse 31, look at it again. It says immediately, 
Jesus reached out his hand and he caught Peter immediately. I know what I do. <laughs> Pete, I'm going to teach you a lesson. You're going to drown and then maybe I'll bring you back to life. <laughs> I'd love to spend some time under there for a while to, just to teach him a lesson. I'll teach you not to trust in me. But I love the Lord. He's so kind. He's so merciful. He gets us. He reached out immediately and he rescued Peter. Sometimes we need to just step out. We need to trust and need to know that when you do, you'll never be alone. I imagine at some point um, I'll face fear again. I wish I could tell you that there's this fear inoculation you can get that just, just take this fear shot and you'll never have fear again in your life. It's probably not going to happen. And I know that the other opportunities in my future will, where I'll have to face fear at some point. But what I've learned and what I want you to leave here with today, and this is important, is that I'm learning to press through those fears, to stay the course, to step through the threshold, to get out of the boat, whatever metaphor you want to use. I'm learning to keep going, to not let fears keep me back and to control me. Because if I do that, I'll miss the destiny God has for me, his purpose, and so will you. I want you to step out of your boat. I want you to trust in him. Why? Again, you're thinking, I don't really want to do that. Why? Because that's where you'll experience life beyond your wildest imagination. That's where the adventure happens in following him. I want to finish with these words. One last passage, and then I'm going to pray for you, and we're done. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Verse 10 says, the Lord, sa the Lord says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Trust me. I know that you face something right now, are facing something right now that's way bigger than you, but the challenge of God to you and to us, to me, is be still. Trust me. Know that I am God. Someone years ago, I read this, had this great definition of courage. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is action in the face of it. And I'm going to add a little twist to that to spiritualize it. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is faith in action despite it. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. I'm going to ask you all just to close your eyes right now and offer some privacy to the people around you. Because I want to ask you this morning, are you right now facing something that maybe is terrorizing you? A fear, a financial fear. You've lost a job. You're not getting work. You don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you're dealing with a relational fear and you're afraid to love again because you've been so deeply wounded and hurt by someone else. Maybe there's something going on in your body. And, and you're uncertain as to what the end result is going to be. And there's fear. There's terror. It's waking you up at night, and you're, you're afraid, and you think about it all the time, and it's consuming you. And all you see right now is that thing, that huge, ugly fear monster right in your face. If that's you, I want to pray for you specifically this morning. I will not embarrass you. Everybody's eyes are closed, so this is just you, me, and Jesus right now. But if you're facing something like that in your life, would you just be bold enough to just raise your hand right now and say, yeah, Pastor Kurt, yeah, all over the room, hundreds of people. Yeah, that's me. See, it's something we all have to deal with. 
But by asking you to raise your hand, what I'm saying is, would you just acknowledge you need God? And even that act of raising your hand is, is the first step. Recognizing that you have fear and that, it's, it's, that you're bound by it is the first step to getting free. And now I'm going to pray that God, the Holy Spirit, will work in your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I know many are facing things that are huge in their life. They don't have answers. They don't know what's going to come. They don't know why it's going on, and they're afraid. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just invade their being, invade their mind and their hearts, invade their souls with that peace that only comes from God. God, I can't do this, but you can. Go to that very place, that darkest, most fearful place in their mind, in their heart right now, and bring that peace of God. Help them to be still, to rest, and to know that you are God. That doesn't mean the circumstances around them are changing right now in any way that they can feel or see, but help them to fix their eyes on you in a way that will help them be still and to know, to know that you are their God, that you've never forsaken them, you never will, and that you're right there with them right now, right there. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for another moment. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. Maybe you've been afraid. Well, what's, I'm afraid of what God's going to ask me to do. Am I going to have to go to Africa to be a missionary? I'm afraid that, you know, I can't, I can't be a, that kind of Christian I need to be. Listen, whatever God calls you to do, he will empower you to accomplish. And whatever fear you're dealing with that's keeping you from saying yes to God and becoming your, a Christ follower, beginning your life as a, as a Christian today, I want to ask you, is it really worth it? And will you this morning let go of that fear and believe that God loves you more than you can possibly imagine, loves you more than the life of his own son? Will you believe that grace and mercy and forgiveness is yours for the taking? Will you believe that God has a destiny and a purpose and a plan for you? You. Think, well, my life's awfully broken, awfully messed up. Yeah, so is mine. But that's his specialty. He loves to redeem, restore, renew broken lives. Will you today say yes to him? And if you want to, just make this simple prayer yours right now. Father, forgive me. I surrender my life to you because I know, Jesus, I get it. You surrendered your life for me. And I embrace that gift of your grace, your forgiveness, and your mercy in my life. It seems too good to be true. But today I believe I believe, and I embrace and accept that gift from you, and I give you my life. And this moment right here, I'm choosing to follow you, choosing to step out of my boat and to walk with you, Jesus, forever. Now, if that's you in your own heart, just say, yep, God, that prayer, that's, that's my prayer. And the Bible says it's a mystery how in that moment you say yes to him, God takes you from darkness into light, from no relationship to becoming a child of his, a part of the family of God forever. Lord, show those that are making that decision now and those watching online, show them what that means. Show them what you're doing and burn it into their soul that now they belong to you forever. Thank you, Lord. But all of us, Jesus, help us to leave here today willing to follow you no matter what. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one last song. Uh, we're going to give as we worship. If you're our guest today, don't feel obligated to give, but 
You might want to drop that communication card, those prayer requests in the bucket. Give if this is your church. Support what God's doing. But listen, make this song a prayer. This is a, one of my favorite songs. Make this your prayer to God right now, and I'll come back and wrap it up. David wrote Psalm 23, probably the most famous, well-known psalm in the Bible. In verse 4, he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley where I'm terrified of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. My prayer today is that you'll know that he's with you. Even when you can't see him, when you don't feel him, even when you're terrified by everything on around you, that you'll know the promise Jesus made to us is he would never leave us nor forsake us. Today, if you begin your life as a Christ follower, I want you to tell somebody, let them know. Come tell me. We want to pray with you. We want to walk in this journey. And today, uh, on the tables by uh, the doors, there's a packet. It says for new believers, it's got a Bible, some matriculate getting started in your walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up as well. If you need prayer, maybe we stirred some stuff up in you today about fear. And you need somebody just to pray with you. Our prayer team's trained, and they'll be down front to pray with you. Communion, of course, is always available on both sides of the room. But my hope, my prayer for you today is that you go this week, and like never before, that you'll be willing to get out of your boat to follow Jesus. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today.